In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. In this world, there are two types of people. There are missionaries and mission fields, and you are one or the other. And so that's what chapter three is about. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute salute you. you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos. This is Equipping Men in 10. I'm here with our producer, Dale Culver. What's going on, man? Just hanging out, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm good, man. I just want to say thanks to all these listeners because, uh, you know, we've got uh, had this number one ranking on Spotify for Christian Podcasts for Men, and that's uh, because of you guys. Keep uh, writing reviews and keep uh, communicating with us about the podcast, how we can make it better for you. And you are the heroes in this story, and we're all about uh, just really lifting you up and equipping you guys. So, hey, uh, before we jump into anything, oh, I forgot. We are starting another series called Ask Me Anything. Mm-hmm. So, guys, if you've got a question that revolves around a manhood, fathering, parenting, whatever, you'd like us to address it on our show, we'll do the best we can to address those issues that you're working through and questions you have, all right? So, before we jump into the meat of the podcast, Dale, do you have a man word for me today? I do. My man word is risk. Mm. I'm pretty sure we've had that one before. No. There's no, no. I can't prove it. You can't. I'm just pretty sure. Yeah, Google it. Out of 500 episodes, I can't imagine the word we haven't used in. the word risk. Yeah. No, so. taking a risk is huge. I think I might have used something else, but uh, today in my small group, we were actually talking about this, how we, can, we were going through chapter four of The Climb, and we're talking about walking the walking dead. And so how, as men, we need to take risks and not just fall into this mundane life. We need to have hobbies. We need to just go after life uh, instead of just sitting there and just letting things go by. And especially if you're young, you dude, you can bounce. Yeah, uh, so yeah. take risks um, and, and do something adventurous. Well, that's the thing that um, the young guys need to know. The older you get, the more difficult it is to take a risk it's real it's not as easy as people think because you've got now a family you've got a, a wife 
the roots are going deep the kids are in school you know this is really these are things a guy needs to think about i can't I, it's not like you can't risk something i mean colonel sanders was like 68 years old when he launched kfc so it's not like things can't happen <laughs> yeah but it does cost more when we launched men in the arena our house went into foreclosure i mean it cost us a lot potentially so uh, i think you can do it all through your life but when you're younger you're highly mobile uh you don't have as many people depending on you it's easier it's it's just a lot easier and it's uh, a great opportunity to have some great life experiences when you're young so hey i want to jump into uh, the me the podcast today uh, last week we finished uh, our 20 qualities of the full capacity man so what i want to do this week is i just want to go through each 20 do a brief review so i'm hoping i can get through each one in 30 seconds so that'll give us about a 10 minute podcast so uh, i want to jump right in here so guys the first chapter the first uh, quality of the full capacity man is the blameless man this is the man who lives above reproach. The Greek word here literally means to have nothing to lay hold of. In other words, there's nothing in your life, no Achilles heel, no blind spots. The goal is to be blameless, to live above reproach. This really is the umbrella. You know, I just spoke at our local gathering. We have a weekly gathering for men here in McMinnville, and it's just really exploding. And the first message was this, and I brought an umbrella in, and guys just don't use umbrellas. We don't don't use them in Oregon. But it it was an illustration that the blameless man is the overarching theme over all other 19. So that's the first one. The second one is is a little bit similar to the blameless man. This is the servant. So where the blameless man is the overarching theme over all 19 qualities, the servant is really the prerequisite of the following 18. Uh, what we talk about is wearing the servant's towel. Uh, th- this passage is where Paul says, whoever aspires to be an overseer is a good thing he desires to do. So the Greek words there for aspires and desires, the Greek word for aspires is really an external drive. It's doing stuff about your desires, which is your internal passion. And so this person who wants to live at full capacity, he he literally has the passion to do it and he has the drive externally to pull it off. But it all comes down to wearing the servant's towel. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to serve? The third quality of the full capacity man is what I call the witness. Now, remember, guys, we've taken the original Greek phrase or words, and we've turned them into one positive word to describe what the original Greek was talking about. So the word we're using here is the word witness. This is uh, The phrase I, I want to ask you is this. Are you a missionary or mission field? You're one or the other. So when Paul is speaking here, he's saying that the full capacity man has a good reputation with those outside of the church. And by church, he's not talking about church building. He's talking about the body of believers. So do you have a good reputation with those among outside of the body of believers? And the the Greek words there, martyrian, kalin, mean basically good testimony or good witness or good reputation. And so are you the kind of man who's not locked into this holy huddle in your church? or And do you actually have relationships beyond the church with guys that you interact with regularly? Because I'm going to tell you something, guys. 
in this world, there are two types of people. There are missionaries and mission fields, and you are one or the other. And so that's what chapter three is about. So chapter four is the moderate man. So everything in moderation. In First Timothy 3, verses 2 through 3, Paul says that the overseer must not be addicted to wine. And the word, other translations will translate this as not given to drunkenness, or not a heavy drinker, or not a drunk. And this word is the word paranois, and it literally means para, beside, and oinos, wine. So, besides wine. And so, when we look at this, guys, we're talking about substances, being controlled by a substance. So, that can be anything today. It can be food. It can be alcohol. It can be marijuana. It can be drugs. It can be anything, that chewing tobacco, anything that you're putting into your body that you are that is controlling you. It sits beside you all the time. Para oinos. This is what we're talking about, guys. So everything in moderation. Nothing, Paul says, nothing has mastery over me. So chapter four is the calm man, and the subtitle there is keep calm and carry on. Paul said the overseer must not be quick-tempered. So for quick-tempered, this chapter was originally going to be called the patient man. But when I started diving into the original Greek here, I changed the word patient for calm because when Paul says not to be quick-tempered, he's using the Greek word orgilos, which really is it really is a word that is a constant high temperature. It's this constant, it's like the guy who's always at 211 degrees. He's ready to boil at any second. People, you, you know this guy because people are always tense around this guy. He, he, he's just moments away from exploding. And usually there's a bitterness attached to this. There's an ingrained anger uh, that's that he continually feeds, often attached to a certain person. It's long-lived and purposely maintained anger. So the opposite of that, guys, I believe is not patient, but it's calm. Keep calm and carry on. Chapter 6, the vigilant man, King James Bible, 1 Timothy 3.2, says the bishop must be vigilant. And after looking at many, many translations of this word, I think that the King James Version here is the most accurate and descriptive. And so we tell guys, keep your head in the game. And the Greek word here. It, it literally means the constant awareness of your surroundings. It's the man who fully understands how high the stakes are if he fails to watch over those things and causes that he and people that he cares about. I, I just love the word vigilant. So chapter seven is the peacemaker. And we ask the question, are you a peacemaker, peace breaker, or peace faker? And it comes from First Timothy 3, where Paul says the overseer must be peaceable. The, this also could be translated not quarrelsome. The Greek word amishon describes someone who is looking for an argument. Not somebody who's looking to fight physically, but somebody who's looking to get in an argument. This, this guy is always uh, wanting to argue and fight. I know a couple guys like this. 
you and I, Dale, do, and I just avoid these guys because when you see them, they want to argue instantly. It's an instant argument, and I don't know why, but I just avoid those guys like the plague. I just if I see them in the grocery store, I jump into the fast food section. So <laughs> anyway, you know, so they're always wanting to pick a fight. So, but you know, we all pick fights in different ways. Some people are peacemakers, uh, where they're trying to work through a problem in a healthy manner. Some people are peace fakers; uh, they uh, ignore the problem and hope it goes away. Or they're peace breakers, where they just attack a person and just trample them. So uh, we want to be biblically peacemakers. So chapter 8 is the protector. And the subtitle there, guys, is a little bit controversial, I think. But I subtitled this chapter, Never Start a Fight, Finish It. You know, in 1 Timothy, Paul writes, the overseer is not violent. Other translations use the word pugnacious the greek word here is only mentioned two times in the entire new testament and it can be mentioned it can be pugnacious violent or striker and i love that word striker it actually speaks to in my opinion the bully where the where amishon in the previous chapter speaks about the guy who wants to argue Pleictes speaks about a man who's wanting to pick a fight and so the positive word to describe what we should do and how we should handle that guy is we should be a protector. The Christian man should always be protecting those who are helpless and those who cannot defend themselves. Chapter 9 is the hospitable man, Mikasa Esukasa. And it's from Titus chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, also in 1 Timothy 3, 2. And it basically says this, the overseer must be hospitable. And one of the things I've learned is that we don't know what that means biblically. We tend to think it means having my buddies over at my house for party, inviting people over from church, having a place where my kids can come and their friends, and that's part of it. But the Greek word here is philoxenia. Unlike xenophobia, which is a f- afraid of strangers, philoxenia means to love strangers. And so the person who is hospitable has a love for strangers. Chapter 10 is the generous man. You can't outgive God, guys. You just can't outgive God. So this this is a in 1 Timothy, Paul says, the overseer is free from the love of money. As we talk about being free from the love of money, guys, we're talking about the generous man. This Greek word literally means to love silver. So do you love money? Do you love silver? Hey, money's good. Money's awesome. We all have to have money, but do we love money to the point where it hinders us from being generous because you can't outgive God? And so many Christians that I run into are so stingy with their resources, and uh, the but the full capacity man realizes everything is God's. Chapter 11 is the good man. No more Mr. Nice Guy is the subtitle of this chapter. And the Bible here says the overseer must, be, must love what is good. And the Greek word here means, uh, it's philagathos, which means uh, it's a guy who loves phila and gathos, good. This is a guy who loves good people, good causes, and good ideas. So chapter 12 is the devout man. This is a fun chapter to write, and I know a lot of you, your ears are going to perk up here, but uh, Titus chapter 1, verses 7 through 8 says, the overseer must be devout. This is the word hoseos, which really means faithful or devout. It's a faithful man who is faithful in his duties to God, but it's really much more than that. It's having or showing a deep religious feeling or commitment. Now, we live in an era where we don't like the word religion, but the guy who loves the Lord 
the man who is devout, he does certain things religiously. Does that make sense, guys? He, in my opinion, what I believe he does, he does three things religiously. He attends a weekly gathering of believers. He serves in Christian ministry, and he lives in biblical obedience, mostly. That's what he does. He lives in biblical obedience. He is involved in a regular gathering of believers, and he serves uh, in the name of Jesus. So that's the devout man, guys. Chapter 13 is a respected man. I believe, guys, this is the greatest gift one man can give to another man. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, Paul says that uh, an overseer or the full capacity man must be respectable. That word respectable is the Greek word cosmos. It's where we get the word cosmetics. In other words, he lives his life in a way that is attractive to those around him. The respected man. Chapter 14 is a sacrificial man. Think of yourself less. Now, the, the word here is the word athade from autos for self and hedomai, which means to take one's pleasure. So remember, hedomai is where we get the word hedonist, a lover of pleasure. This guy, uh, the, the verse here that we're talking about is where Paul says that the full capacity man is not self-willed. So he's not self-willed. So what's the opposite of that, guys? It's sacrificial. Now, I've thought about this. What is the difference between being a servant-oriented guy, a servant, versus a sacrificial man? Serving is my focus on another person, cause, or group. Sacrifice is different in that sacrifice is about forsaking or giving up something very important to me in order to do it. So the level that you are suffering in order to serve is your level of sacrifice. What's that song from the 80s? Some All gave some, some gave all. That's what we're talking about. Chapter 15 is the leader. Do something, guys. Do anything. Just lead. It says here that the overseer must manage his household well. And the Greek word her, here... And the Greek word here literally means to preside over. And so God has asked you as the man to preside over your family. And so do something, guys. Do anything. Just realize that God has asked you to preside over your family. Chapter 16 is the teacher. So the teacher needs to cut it straight. The, the Bible says here uh, in 1 Timothy 3, 2, Paul says that an overseer or the full capacity man must be able to teach. And then down in 2 Timothy 2, 15, Paul writes, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as workmen who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And the Greek word there literally means to cut it straight. So the the teacher, the guy who's a gifted teacher is not necessarily somebody who can stand up in front of people and teach the Bible. It's somebody who in any situation he finds himself, he knows how to cut it straight. He knows how to explain the Bible to the people he's dealing with. People are at all different points in their journey, and the man who is a good teacher is able to do that no matter where that person may be spiritually. Chapter 17, the faithful man. So this is about building guardrails around your bride. Uh, the Bible says that the overseer or the full capacity man must be the husband of one wife. And here's what people don't realize about this passage. The massive gift 
that Christianity brought to the first century, obviously besides Jesus, but the cultural shift was this thing called chastity. This was this is the first time that a religion came in and said, "Listen, one man, one woman." monogamy uh, this is this is what we're talking about when he says the husband of one wife paul is saying that monogamy is the biblical principle and god's best way for men and to say this in the first century ad was massively important massive it was a huge shift in the culture to where men were now faithful to their wives. Chapter 18 is the just man. In other words, guys, do what is right, even when it's not popular. In Titus, we see that the overseer must be just. And so this word this word is used by Paul. It's dikaios, and it appears over 200 times in the New Testament. It's really, really interesting. The word that's like it in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, appears over 500 times in the Bible. This is really important to God to to defend those who cannot defend themselves. And that's, you know, guys, every Christian is a minister. Every minister has a ministry. Guys, you need to find a cause and a people group that you're going to pour your life into. Chapter 19 is the gentle man. Uh, be a gentle giant among men. The Bible tells men to be gentle. And this is something I want to talk about, guys, because we often think of gentle as weakness, but it's exactly the opposite. Gentleness is born out of power, not weakness. You cannot be gentle if you're weak and powerless. You can only be gentle if you already have power over someone or something. So gentleness, a huge asset for a man. And the last one, guys, is the wise man, as you remember, making decisions against yourself. The Greek word here literally means a safe mind. It's the guy who locks it down, sucks it up. He deals with it. He is willing to make decisions against himself to become his best version. So guys, there's the review of the 20. Man, that was a lot of words. Dale, what's up, man? Take us home. Yeah, guys, why don't you head on over to our website at meninthearena.org and grab your free electronic version of Tell Them What Great Fathers Tell Their Sons and Daughters. And if you click on Join Our Program, you'll be directed to getting into one of our many virtual teams. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor, hear the deafening roar of the crowd, taste the sweetness of victory, smell the stench of battle, get in the game, get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for
from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.